Hello, welcome to Hubit Tech, a podcast about the intersection between humans and technology. My name is Guthrie. I'm here with Susan. Hello, Susan. Hello. And today our topic is automation. Uh, that's a very big topic. We're not going to cover all the little messy details of automation. We'll leave that to the Elon Musks of the world who know a lot more, who have, who have a, you know, a, a mechanical engineering degrees. Um, but I think we're going to talk more about the um, effects on, of automation on humans. And, well, especially, uh, I want to talk about automation and jobs. Yes, yeah, humans, jobs. The robots don't care if they're gainfully employed. Not yet, they don't. No, humans do. But they will soon. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're going <laughs> to talk about. Okay, um, do you want to just kind of talk about, uh, start off with what is automation and and the history of automation? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, because the, the, it's really the history of what's like, you know, computer, for right, from like the 18th century. Yes, what is and a then, computer, um, yeah. Yeah, so you start there. Don't forget to throw in Alex Turing. I recently watched The Imitation Game, which was a good movie about Alex Turing during the war. Sad story, but it was incredible yeah. yeah anyways have you have you seen the movie you know i haven't i mean i know a little bit about alex turing but i i should watch that movie um yeah no you should uh, you ever everyone should watch it. it to to me i kind of wanted a little more of a documentary i want i was like oh how it's basically long long story short is um he was responsible for the machine that broke enigma the german military codes Code, and, yeah. and basically won the allies the war um and uh but i i you know they were talking about you know his relationship with other people and i was like hot what what kind of capacitors are they using oh was, yeah you wanted a little more <laughs> technical detail yeah. <laughs> a little less uh, on the human what, side what are the algorithms what, what are the algorithms yeah um, but um Anyways, it was it was a, it's a very interesting story. So yeah, so you should start with the computers um, d- dating back in the Roman times up through the oh my come on modern time. Uh, right, Alex Turing right. with the invention of the electronic computer. So, well, okay, so it's funny because he invented a digital computer, and it, naturally we just when you when we think computer, at least when I think computer, I'm like yeah, a computer. It's digital, obviously. Yeah, we but don't even he was think the person who that. like coined the term digital computer this was like a big deal okay so i'll, I'll, let, oh, you, I'll let you go now. well I, I i don't know that i was ready to talk about the whole history of computers and automation but i'll talk a little bit about that as we lead into you know what what i think is the dire future of humans working um i've been thinking about this a lot lately but anyway back you know originally and if you look up the definition of computer I don't know what the definition computer says now, but, um, you know, I don't know, 100 years ago or so, the definition of a computer was someone who computes. So it was a person who did computation, and that's what a computer was. And that word has been around for, you know, a fairly long time as people have been computing. And um, then along came the... Um, automated, I guess we could say automated computers, but they weren't digital, but they would add things up. Uh, Essentially, you could add numbers up and even subtract numbers, not using any digital, just using gears and levers and things like that. Um, You know, eventually we came to uh, digital computers, but even just not talking about computers, just talking about automation, right? Because, um, I mean, we've had automation in the workplace uh, before we had digital computers. So uh, I guess it's a to me it's it's a it's a broad um, topic having to do with the idea of uh, replacing people in the workplace with some kind of machine that is doing part of what they did before or all of what they did before. And whether that's a, a computer, whether that's a machine, whether that's a robot, you know, uh, the, any, any of those things would, in my mind, are considered, you know, automation. And, and I, I'd 
I mean, I guess we probably should maybe talk about that was probably not definitely not enough history for you, and I didn't even mention touring. Um, but we could talk about the the history of people's jobs or parts of their jobs being replaced, and then you know, I want to talk about the near future Just of that. Continue. We have lots of time. Oh, okay. Well, anything you want to add about my very, very, very brief history? No. Okay. So, um, in a way, you know, this threat has been around for a long time, right? That um, technology and machines and computers and robots are going to take over our jobs and no one's going to have any work anymore because the machines are going to be doing everything. And they have. And, and they have in many ways. And, and you know, right now, uh, and definitely not wanting to get into politics, in our podcast because there are surely enough politics podcasts out there. Um, But it is a really, and I'm not going to get into politics except to say that it's a very hot topic right now about jobs, right, in the U.S. and probably worldwide and, um, you know, concern about jobs. And in the U.S., the politics around that is all about, you know, negotiating good trade deals and and our and jobs going to other countries, um, but I see the bi- the much bigger disruptor. And I'm not the only one. I mean, I'm not the first one. There's lots of people that are talking about the bigger disruptor that we're perhaps not paying enough attention to, is the the change and loss of jobs due to the due to automation, which has been going on for years and has been increasing. And I think is about to, you know, take off and do a much bigger increase. So, um, and I think we need to, you know, as a, you know, society in general, if we're talking about the intersection of humans and technology, we need to really think about what this means and where we're headed and what we're going to do about it. Because I think most people need a job to make money to live and most people want a job and uh, I think there are really big questions about what jobs will continue to exist how the jobs will change and what jobs are going to disappear and I think in some ways it's maybe not what people think so I was reading an article just recently about how you know people think Oh, the danger is that the low-skilled jobs are going to disappear, right? Um, the factory jobs, which and a lot of factory well, hold jobs. On. Time out, time out. What? You're, you're doing well. You're just you're, you're jumping. I am. You're, I died. I didn't have any plan or notes. I'm just. No, 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 no. I'm, I know. I'm speaking so, so, extemporaneously. Well, yes. Well, because go ahead. we need we need to, we need to start from the simplest Please, and we're back moving me up. to the more yeah, complex. That, okay. Yeah. Go ahead. What do you want to know? So, um, in your history again. What yeah. remind me which which industries had you covered? I didn't cover anything. You didn't cover really. any industries. Okay. I mean, what did I mention? Nothing. <laughs> okay, so um, I didn't want to uh, double. I just, um, anyways. Uh, so so there have been a lot of there has been a lot of automation that has taken entire industries and destroyed them. Well, remember the Industrial Revolution. Yeah, right. So, um, so example number one, you have the looms. Okay, back in the yes. day, people were pushing on things, and now, of course, the things were run by steam. Okay, but there's <clears throat> even that. But that was simply an automation of power. But there's a lot more uh, automation that happens, and so I'm, I'm going to jump forward a lot. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. In when you were, I, let's say, let's say like, like 19, 25, something Yeah, watch like out. That. Watch out here. We're talking about age here. Watch out. Oh, I- that, that was last year. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Let's, let's, think, let's think, actually, it's, it's, it's even before then. So, like, think of Mad Men, right? And you had all the secretaries yeah. in the 1950s running around. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Um, what did secretaries you know, 60 years ago, do. What year are we talking? 1950. 1950. Um, I mean, they, 1960. They would have typed. Okay. What are they typing? 
Oh, everything. Letters and memos and correspondence. Mm -hmm. They would have uh, answered the phone. Right. Uh, run a lot of errands. Yeah. Uh, uh, to, they took, took dictation. Mm-hmm. You know, they wrote down what somebody else said and, and then typed it up. Yeah. Um, using, I don't know if carbon paper had been invented right. then. I'm so, sure. so, so here's, here's the thing. And so this is, this is the, uh, if you look at back then and what automation has kind of gotten rid of, it's yeah. a, it's actually not a whole lot. You don't have to type up notes anymore. Someone needs to take notes, but right, but you don't need to if you want to send a letter, you can just print it, right? Well, you still have to type it up. But you still have to type it up, right? Back then, you know, you had to okay, you had to use use a typewriter and if you make a mistake, right, you you go in and fix it. Um but 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 someone still has to type it up. Uh, when you a lot call of people someplace, still have you still paper need to... files, and they still file things. Exactly. You still need to, to have yeah. the organization, and there's still someone who answers yeah. the phone. Um, and obviously, errands have to be run. So, so at a certain level, okay, those are you know you would think those are pretty kind of mundane tasks, and actually, they still, they basically those those jobs are kind of still around, though at a much smaller level. But you know what? For instance, exactly. some jobs some jobs really have disappeared. I remember so, yeah. one of my first jobs uh, that I ever had was um, as a credit and collections correspondent at the Gillette Company, the people who make razor blades. Mm -hmm. And in the department next to us on the like 35th floor of the Prudential Tower in Boston, there was there were uh, it was an entire room full of these things we were talking about before called computers but these were people <laughs> and uh, they had these um, really interesting machine adding machines I guess yeah. they were and they it was a because you would walk by that area and it was just like a racket with clackety 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 I mean it was really loud right, right. and. Uh, these these people, I think they were all women. Uh, there would be like thirty to forty of them in a room, um, heads down, uh, just entering numbers. And and I think there were like little pieces of paper that would come out. And these were not. I don't know if these were plugged in or not. But it was very seemed like a very manual, mechanical, yeah, thing that they were doing. And, uh, you know, they were, I don't know what they were doing, adding up orders or adding up invoices or. Right. And right, right, I'm right. pretty sure they're not there anymore. So think of all the purchase orders for, and all the receipts and all yes. the, right? All that all stuff the orders is now that come in and they automated. were adding up how much revenue they'd had and all right. of that. Yep. I mean, and they also had um, uh, a big, a very big area on one floor called um, filing. Right. And and this was a, a huge place full of these, um, full of file folders. Mm -hmm. And so if you need, a lot of the work that I had to do is I had to research, you know, why a company, why Kmart wasn't paying their yeah. million dollar invoice. If you can't and, just open the spreadsheet and see the data. No, I had to go to the file, to filing. You had to go to filing. And then there'd be a person <laughs> behind the counter. There were many people. <laughs> many and you people. would say, yeah. And you would say, I need, I need the K's. And they would go, someone would go and get a huge file folder for all of our clients named, that's, whose name started with K. And you weren't allowed to take this with you. You had to stand there, and and you know look up what you needed, and then right. the person would go put it back in the filing system. So I'm pretty sure those people aren't around anymore either. There's, so there's the uh, there's the phone operators who had to transfer calls. There were a we, lot of phone operators. We all remember yeah. the pictures from like AT and T in the 1930s, where and there's like literally in. a mess of wires. Yeah. To move wires from one to the That's other. right. So I mean, we've been at, so we've been losing, you know, a lot of jobs to automation over the last 50, 60, 70 years. Now, recently, we have, for instance, you know, there was a story I read about 
uh, some of the factories in China that have replaced like 90% of their workforce with industrial, basically okay. some fairly simple industrial okay. robots. So, so just oh, take hold a deep on, breath. take yeah. a deep breath. <sighs> yes. Okay. Yeah. okay. So, yeah. my the the general point is that automation is not necessarily new. No, it's been around it's, at least. A hundred years, certainly fifty. And slowly 60 years. and steadily, it's been dismantling various industries that and, were around. Yes. Mostly when it comes to jobs that could be easily replicated by software, a yes, or um, manual labor type jobs, factory jobs that could be at least the, streamlined. Yes, streamlined or yes, a machine yes. could do part of it. And that has been steadily growing since the Industrial Revolution. That's right. Right? You went from having, so for example, if you're stamping um, aluminum parts for a car, right? Yes. Well, back in the day, you were hammering stuff. Well, then right. they got a, a, st- a you know, stamp a, machine. A stamp machine. And, but a, but a you human had to put, would work the stamp machine. Yeah, you have machine. to work the stamp machine. Right. And then, well, now you just kind of put it on the conveyor belt and it right. stamps it and then you take it out. I agree. Well, it's now like this. now you just press the button and it automatically loads right. the aluminum roll, right? So so it's like more so it's just a slow steady march, okay? So that's yes. part 1 is yes. is those are the two types of jobs that traditionally have been going away. Yes. Jobs that have required um, technical proficiency for the most part have stayed around. Your lawyers your doctors. Oh, you mean by technical, you mean a certain kind of expertise, yes, knowledge. Yes, expertise and a, and a knowledge in a field. A knowledge worker. Correct. Yes, yes. So I guess so. I guess we have we have um, uh, uh, the rep- repetitive tasks. Yeah. Can be broken down either into service or manual labor. Yeah. And traditionally, automation has come at those in various forms. Yeah. And then there, ha- and then there has been non-repetitive tasks, which usually require a skilled laborer of some sort, yeah, to, to do something. Okay. Yep. I remember I was told in law school, when I first started law school, maybe six years ago, that um, law was a good area to get into because you couldn't send law jobs, you couldn't, you couldn't like automate the legal profession. Someone had to be in the courtroom. And yeah, except that's changing now. Well, yeah, yeah. So right, so so the so so the big, I, and and you can you can tell me which which one you want to do. You want to? I'll back up. Do you want to address? Yeah. Uh. Uh, service repetitive service tasks. Uh, repetitive uh, manufacturing or physical labor tasks, or. Do you want to do the third category, which is skilled, um, skilled labor tasks? All of them. You got to pick one. We're gonna do. We're we're gonna do each. We're gonna t- discuss each one. All right. One well, let's let's start with what were the three? We, we have had... we have uh, the repetitive tasks, which are broken down into uh, d- d- service tasks. Yes. Um, and physical, and manu- manufacturing essentially. Yes. Service and manufacturing, repetitive. Repetitive, yes. And then um, high-level thinking jobs. Okay. Well, let's start with the, um, let's start with the, let's start with the high-level thinking jobs, just because that's not what you thought I was going to say. Sure. So that is obviously, this is, this is the brand new wave of automation that's coming. And this is the one, you know, in the past, automation has always kind of been a good thing um at well, a core, it depends on who you were talking to no i know i know but sorry as an economist thinking about the overall view <laughs> of the economy okay. it's always been a good thing because, because while yes it did put people out of business it it was it was certainly um people doing monotonous repetitive tasks low low level work uh, and so the idea always was well they can whether this was true or not yeah. they could be retrained to yes. do more interesting and, jobs and that make more money. There's, and I don't want to get too much into the economics. There's an argument that there's always more le- low-level work. 
right? Yeah. Like whatever you do, people will just consume more services, right? So we used to have to shovel, shovel coal all right. the time, right? right? Well, now we have natural gas lines that run into every house. You don't have right. to have to someone who literally, so uh, in, in your house, I know it's an old house, there's a coal chute. There is, where yes. someone used to come and deliver the coal. Yeah, yeah, you'd, and you just you scoop the coal into the chute, right? The coal man would come around. Yeah, well, we don't okay. have that anymore. We don't, you don't have that anymore. Um, but, you know, right, but now you have other, you know, now there's, like, other stuff that you need to do because you go to the movies. And, you know, there's just, there's always going to be money for for kind of low-level service work is the economic Was. The, was the idea. Well, the that's one theory. Yeah, that, that's one theory. But but it was always thought that what you really wanted, though, was you wanted the high-skilled labor. The designers, the engineers, the yeah, lawyers. Yeah, because they wouldn't be replaced. The, the, you can't replace that. And more importantly, um, unlike manufacturing, you can't m- move it across overseas. Right. Right. So... You can't outs- outsource right. a surgeon or outsource. A s- Although yeah. you can. Well, what we've been seeing is a couple things. First, we're seeing the rise of outsourcing of these kind of like engineering tasks. That's, and that started in the 90s. Blah, 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 right. blah. And I'm just going to skip over all of the overseas. The tech outsourcing because we know that's We're gonna, true. just going to roll through that. Okay. So now the, the hot new thing. Because outsourcing is so passe. The the thing that's so hot right now is deep learning. This is where deep learning really um, is, is going to make its mark. Because um, with deep learning, you can then start to automate skilled analysis work. In right. Ways so do, that you never can could. you give, for because for, there might be people listening who don't know what deep learning is, can you give, and I really mean, Guthrie, you got to keep this short because I know you could talk about deep uh-huh. learning for like five hours. Yeah. So can you give a two-minute description of what deep learning is? Sure. It's software that mimics the way neural networks in your brain works. It looks at the way the brain computes and responds to information. And generally, is software that's based around that principle. Okay. The bottom line is that it gets an input right? A stimulus, if you would. And through complex algorithms that have been determined through learning, through experience, in quotes, it can give you nuanced outputs. All right. Can you, and can you give us some some examples of where deep learning has been applied and the kinds of things that now the best uh, example, the the best example, uh, I'll give you two. First Mm -hmm. would be image recognition. So, um, Google Images. I type in cat. Well, how does Google know what a cat looks like? You how use, does it know? How does it know to go look at a, a whole bunch of images and bring you back pictures of cats? Yeah. How does it know it's not a dog, right? Mm-hmm. To and humans, that's that an through. easy. That's that. That's an easy thing. For a computer, that's a very difficult task. What if a cat is in bushes, right? What if a cat is, you know, what if there's something on top of it? It's just what it's if very, it's lying down, right? right? Yeah, it's a kitten or black or white. Or it's just very hard to, if you just do the traditional way of computing and of making algorithms, it's very, very difficult to come up with high levels of accuracy. But and deep it, learning. But deep learning changed that. Changed that because you can say, here are six billion pictures of cats. Okay. Right. Come and up it, with crazy algorithms and that it learns. Get it right comes answers. up with its own. And it All comes right. up with its own. Driverless so, cars are the other quick example okay. um, right. where you say um, you're you're driving along, right? The computer is getting all this input, and through very complex learning, through billions of miles driven, it can make smart, intelligent decisions in a fraction of a second based on the information that's coming in, and then it, the algorithms that it processes in all ways right. that could never happen before. So How was we that? now was that, that was very good. So okay. now we now have this thing called deep learning. So now, what were you going to say deep. about deep learning and automation? So now the thing is, is that I thought deep learning was going to be really, really difficult. Okay, I thought deep learning and neural networks. This is like a future thing. There's going to be like one company who can do this. Yeah, this is completely wrong. It turns out neural networks and deep learning, while difficult, is really pretty easy to set up, because 
within the within the span of a couple years, okay? Mm-hmm. Right? Google start basically started deep learning and I well essentially making it mainstream. And within a couple years, right, you would assume they would have that completely on lock. But now Apple does it, Facebook does it, Uber does it. There's like 17,000 startups that make driverless cars. And like making a car that drives by itself and doesn't run into anything is really hard, but everyone seems to be doing it just fine. So apparently it's just not that difficult. And so the next step is now applying deep learning and neural networks to all these other industries. And let me give you just a quick subset of skilled learning positions that will be immediately threatened by deep learning. Go ahead. First, coding. Yeah. Um, coding is... Writing software. Is writing software is kind of redundant. It's... Um, especially when you're talking about lower level coding, there's an emphasis on efficiency and finding innovative solutions to just make it run better. And the other cool thing is there are many, many ways to code the same thing, right? And the only thing that matters is how fast does it run? How error free is it essentially? Um, how pretty is your code. So you're going to, so we're predicting, and I agree with you, so I'll well, say we're predicting. it's not even a prediction. This is already happening. But it's going a to lot of co a lot of programming jobs are going to start to disappear, are disappearing. Well, I, I disagree. Really? There's a huge shortage of programmers. So, there's, so you, there's, don't, you don't think necessarily that jobs are going to disappear. It's just that in they'll just use deep learning to it'll suck up some of the shore up the, shore up the, the fact the, that we don't have enough. have enough yes yeah um so the way the way this works is you is you write very very high level code that tells um the deep learning algorithm um i need to uh i need to basically create a, a very secure login system okay yeah. please come up with one for me that yeah. fits with my current database, Yeah. right? And it will help you do that. Right now they're using it as analyze the code I've written and make it better. Yeah. Right? Not, yeah. And so the debugging process of coding, I'm not gonna get too much into it, but you know, it's kind of a, it's, it's not exactly, it takes a while, okay? And you have to be smart about it. And even then, to really, if you're really getting down and and trying to squeeze out every little bit of inefficiency and make your code as 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 streamlined as possible, takes a lot of time and effort. Well, things that take a lot of time and effort are something that computers do really really well. So you and, can instantly analyze your code and, a, a and trillion times and find mean, a more elegant solution. We may not agree but on this, but I, I think if we can, I mean, let's just kind of broad brush this and then move on to the next category. But yeah. I think that I think that many programming, coding, even uh, up now to designing um, jobs will uh, be done either entirely or partly through automation in yeah. the very near future. And we're all... Oh, I was just going to say, we're also just seeing this um, when it comes to HTML website code. There yeah. used to be, I mean, all these people getting paid huge sums of money to design HTML. Yeah. No one is doing HTML design anymore. I mean, maybe you're doing, you know, Java, you know, JS, you know, JavaScript stuff, or maybe some PHP backend stuff. But like, it, you know, people are using Squarespace and Wix and these drag and drop template tools we use bootstrap which makes the you know the process a lot easier yeah and that's so just that for, that's for one small subset of code yeah and i'm sure it will expand yeah that's going to expand greatly so the idea that you learn how to uh write code and be a programmer and then you'll have a job for life i think is is in jeopardy all right let's move on from well, uh code I, and i will just say i will just yeah, say i know you don't agree Certain types of programming will go away, but there yeah. will always be a need for programmers. And the nice thing about programmers is they're very smart and they can fairly quickly adapt new programming languages. 
Yeah, we may not agree on this, but okay. Yeah. Next. Next. Uh, the law. I, I'm a lawyer. Yeah. Um, yeah. The vast majority, you know, so that whole thing, like you have to have a lawyer in a courtroom, that is true, but a very, very small percentage of people who go to law school end up doing um, they're, what's what's called litigation. Yeah, anything there's transac- in the courtroom. There's transactional work, which is transactions, business stuff, stuff yeah. outside of the court. And then there's, you know, litigation, you know, like you can't handle the truth kind of stuff. Yeah. Even then, the vast majority of, of the time that you spend is outside of the courtroom. You're yeah. writing stuff, you're doing research, you're writing stuff, more writing, lots of writing, and research. Um, so right now, a lot of the research is done either by, it's basically done by the underlings. Um, you're, you're, you know, and, you know, the lower down the level you are, the more mundane and the more kind of basic your tasks are. Anywhere from proof something to again doing research right there well deep learning is going to take the legal industry by storm and it's already starting a couple high-level companies have started rolling out for example I know of a product where if you're looking at a certain issue it will give you a visual like cloud-based representation of that law yeah because every single legal case has citations, right? Yeah. And so creates this beautiful data web. And and then if you can apply some smart learning to that, you can determine which, for example, uh, so I'll back up. Let's just say I have a case in which I'm trying to get someone um, off who uh, was a street performer who didn't have a license, okay? Yeah. In my jurisdiction. Well... Um, I would go to my law deep learning algorithm. I type in um, street performer uh, and res- and uh, you know no license, okay? And I would say I'm a defendant. The uh, the computer software would analyze every single legal case that's ever happened, with the emphasis being, of course, on newer cases, and identify which cases went well for defendants. They'd analyze. You could put in the facts of your case. It could differentiate between the different facts of the different cases. And within a couple of seconds, give you the cases most relevant to your facts. Instantly, high quality, with perfect citations. And then there's the um, the the lawyer guy in California who's now got uh, an automated system for uh, appealing parking tickets yes yes uh that's that's a good one and he's using he's using i think he's said he was using some deep learning for that yes some very basic deep learning basically you say i've gotten a parking ticket i'd like to contest and you give it some basic information and it it comes and it uh, produces the what a lawyer would do right which is a very basic i'd like to you know um i'd like to appeal my parking violation and um, you know, when I read about that one, the the uh, the people in the city uh, who uh, who you go to pay your parking ticket to, you know, and appeal, they love this because they said they're finally getting letters that make sense and they can understand. <laughs> um, so, all right, and then I we mean, have so doctors. The law, yeah, the law is very funny because we have doctors. Okay, I'll move on. I could talk about the law for a while. I time. know you could. I'm going to stop you. Uh, doctors are are a little harder, but in the same in the same way that you no, can analyze a certain it. subset of facts, um, you can analyze a subset of, of test results and of uh, of of uh, you know the, 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 the what you diagnose right. And what there's the, there's the surgeon, maladies that you there's have. surgeon robots. The the one big problem, and it's definitely a big problem, um, is there are. There's still nuances that where that deep learning needs to cross. So, for example, patients lie all the time, and you have to be able to identify that and and account for that. I don't know that the doctors are very good at that anyway. I think the doctors are. Well, I think they're better than you think. But um, so so, but yes, diagnosis is a is a perfect one. Um, another one, right? Uh, just just off the top of my head, pharmacists. Right, pharma. If you're, you have to go to school for pharmacy. It is very tough to become a pharmacist, and it's because if you give someone medication A, and then they get prescribed medication B, 
And it turns out if you take the two of those, like you die, yeah. right? And the pharmacist is like, oh, wait, definitely don't do that, right? That's what a pharmacist does. You can do a bunch of deep learning. It would know every single subset, blah, 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 blah. It would be way more efficient if the deep learning program had your DNA. So it could automatically scan for any genetic disorders and then cross-reference that with any medications you might be taking. All right, so I want to move this all ahead. Okay. So, so I think we've established. I mean, and then you know, in the in the manufacturing, we know that you know Tesla makes its cars oh, yeah, with robots um, and. But I just want to say one one more quick thing. What? Uh, engineering is another big one. In the same way that you can make more efficient computer programs, yeah, you can make more efficient engineering choices, and based on models with deep learning and, yeah. and, and automate some of the some of the um, engineering ideas right okay so you, you're ready to move on to the more mundane tasks yeah yeah and then okay. I want to move on to 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 the future and what I think this means for okay well us. I can make the the mundane tasks quick I think people know a lot about that you mentioned the robots in China uh, I do have the article the pulled factory. up yeah so um, the factory in China replaced 90% of its workers with robots. Yeah. Uh, that were doing kind of just basic manufacturing tasks. And, yeah. and robots can, modern uh, make, uh, robots for manufacturing work are so advanced these days. Um, anyways, production uh, went up by 250%, and uh, number of defects uh, decreased 80%. Yeah. Um, yeah, and this is it, happening everywhere. It shouldn't be any surprise that manufacturing hardware defects are caused by careless employees. Well, um, I don't want to say careless. Well, human humans, error. humans, yeah, humans make errors. They get tired. They get. I mean, it's we have, not like we have they less don't precision, care. so we can't do. Yeah. we weren't built to do the same task. The over same and task over and over a gazillion and over times to a yeah. thousandth of an inch every time. Yeah, we make. Yeah. We, we have. You know, it's just not what. We're um, what I think no one realizes is that almost all of, like, so there's been, I don't know, a couple billion iPhones made. It's definitely over a billion. Yeah. Every single iPhone was put together by tiny hands in China. Yeah. Like, yeah. every single one. It's amazing. If you just think of all the phones in the world, it's just being made by a quite a large army of manual People. labor. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, uh, the... the tech companies are trying to change that and they've slowly been automating more and more and more of that process yeah. right where instead of people putting together all the parts well uh, now robots put together ha you know part a part b part c and then the you know human puts those together well right. now they're trying to get even more and reduce the number of of, of, of robots so foxconn which is the largest I think they're the largest manufacturer in the world based on a number of employees. And they make, like, all the iPhones. Yeah. Um, they are starting their first phase of basically replacing the vast majority of its human employees. And it'll just be robots. Um, which, which, if you're trying to make an iPhone that's literally identical to a billion other iPhones, makes a lot of sense. And the big driver in this, really... Is that robots, and, and this is where we're going to get into, a segue into your thing perfectly. Robots are cheaper than human labor. Mm -hmm. You don't have to pay them wages. You don't have to pay them overtime. You don't have to have uh, as high level of safe, safety standards. You um, don't need, they don't go on vacation. They can work 24 hours a day. They don't get yeah. tired. They don't yeah. make mistakes. And I, like I said, most importantly, they don't get health care and they don't get paid. Yeah. So they're just really cheap. Yep. And yep. as robotics get better and cheaper and employees demand higher wages. Yeah. Uh, so I'll let you take over. And, well, uh, I, you can you do know, what you want. This is just going to keep expanding. And in the, you know, then, then. Uh, I've talked to people about this, and and they'll say, yeah, but you know, you know, there'll always be, uh, you'll always need people to work in stores and restaurants. But we know that that's not true. Yep. We're gonna we're gonna do a, I think, a podcast episode on the future of retail. So I won't go into a lot of detail on that. But, you know, 
basically a lot of what happens in a store is going to start to go away for a variety of reasons. You think uh, that McDonald's doesn't have a robot in their headquarters that can build a Big Mac? Yeah, you know, and I, <laughs> and, you know, I stayed at a hotel in New York that had um, pretty much maybe two or, well, I think it had four or five people in the whole hotel that, to that worked there because they had uh, automated check-in. You know, you'd put, you'd, you got yourself checked in. They had automated luggage handling with a robot they, you know, everything was automated. They had, I remember they had one person in case you needed something for some reason. There was one person in the building you could go talk to. And then I think they had a couple of people cleaning. Yeah. But um, so, you know, I think a lot of the things we think of as service jobs uh, are going to start to go away. Garbage th- collection. Yeah. There, you know, there's just. Taxis. There's, yeah, there's so much disruption happening in every industry and when i look at it i see this very and i see it increasing rapidly and there are i know many people who know about it but i think there's a lot of people who may not realize how fast the pace is accelerating in this so you know what what does this mean in terms of jobs because we already have a lot of people in the U.S. at least you know kind of bemoaning the fact that good paying jobs are disappearing and I I don't know that this is going to go backwards and even if manufacturing um, comes back into the country which is what some people believe will save quote save us you know, we we now know, as what you said, that a lot of that's going to be automated. So, what the heck are we going to do? Like, where, how are people going to find work that will pay them a living wage, and how will they, uh, you know, much less find work that they enjoy that pays them a living wage? If a lot of these high-paying jobs you were talking about are also going away, so. Uh, I have one kind of interesting idea that someone else brought up but uh, that I can talk about in this, about where we might be headed, uh, possibly somewhat controversial. But do you have any ideas on this, Guthrie? If you of were, If you were talking to, you know, a five-year-old and wanting to give them uh, career advice, what would you tell them? So... Would you like me to give the economic answer, or would you, should, should I put my economist hat on? Can you? Is it even possible to not put your economist hat on? Sure, I can put my philosophy hat on. Oh, I don't know if I can handle that. Whatever hat you want to wear. So I have a degree in economics. I, I'm an economist. Um, the question. Yeah. And it it dabbles a, a, over a little. The question that that we as a society, especially the United States, have to decide yeah. is if is if we want to have capitalism. Okay. Whoa. No, time whoa. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. I didn't know you were going there. No, I but, don't know that I want to go there. No, that's fine. That's fine. Right. Let's just assume the I answer. Think you're right, Let's assume but... the answer is yes, and we'll assume that we want a system based on free market. Okay. Okay. Good. I just want to start there. Because the reality of the situation is that everything has to make sense. And if if you're talking, if you're working about stuff in a free market, it has to make competitive sense. Yeah. And so if a robot can work at an auto factory and it's cheaper than if the company hires you to work at the auto factory. Yeah. What? What you know? What's the long-term play? You're yeah. getting replaced. If you look at the like, so I can make a high-quality automobile in Michigan and pay people forty dollars an hour, yeah. or I can make a high-quality automobile in Mexico, and it's exactly the same, and I can sell you know, and and I can I have to pay people fifteen dollars an hour, right? What's the writing on the wall? What makes sense? And in the short term, 
eh, maybe kind of things come and go, right? But when you look at the long-term picture, it's not surprising that it ends up going in whatever way is most efficient. Okay. And that's good. That's free market. That's the power of the free market. So what what are people going to do for work, though? So the thing that you have to identify, then, is you have to identify where can I do something in which it, there's a competitive advantage for me doing it in some ways. How, what, what can I do that is cheaper than some sort of automated solution or can't be automated? Okay, and your answer yeah. is? So uh, there's a, couple, there's a couple, couple ways, okay? Yeah. First, things that have to do with making humans happy. Yes. For the that's most, ex- that's exactly where I was headed. Well, we think alike, and we haven't talked about this. Very difficult to automate, and even if it could be automated, people wouldn't want it automated. So, things like customer service, things like uh, people who welcome you at a hotel, though that may eventually disappear. I Any- was thinking yeah, more go ahead. about. Uh, see, uh, teaching people uh, how to relax, personal trainers, teaching meditation. Well, that's a, that's a very small subset. Massage was, therapists. Uh, just um, things that people like to have a personal touch on. Yeah. Um, a waiter at a restaurant. We have fast casual. There is no need... For waiters and waitresses, really. There's, like, from a technical standpoint. But right? you might want to go but you, to but a you restaurant want to have where it. there is people. You get that get that personal service, okay? Right. Um, like I said, you said about the person in the hotel. Yeah. I bet you, at a lot of cheap bargain bin hotels, they will disappear. And they are disappearing. But, but at, at the premium fancy ones, hotels, yeah. the concierge will always be there. Not because they're needed, but because the human touch is this is a, gonna is be enough jobs for everyone? Well, so so okay. Well, let me I'll just let me let me add a couple more things, and then I'll ans- answer that question. So, because uh, so, so next, okay, things involving culture. Yes, celebrities. No, but don't even think about celebrities. Think about cultural things like so um, musicians and artists. And yeah. things people do in their free time. Yeah. And like you said, the teachers and trainers of, you know, various hobbies. Yes. Uh, things people spend their money doing. Yeah. Okay? That can't really be done a whole lot by, uh, that can't really be replaced. And or even the, if it was, you'd still want that special person right, doing it. Right. A robot rapping, just, yes, maybe, but it's not It's not the same. Yeah. And and there's and the United States basically leads the world in culture and cultural ideas. Well, that's I'm our, sure that's, there'd be some people listening that would disagree with that. That's our biggest export. Well, I don't know. About if you that. look, hey, if you look at pop music all over the world, it's basically. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that one. Okay. All right. Anyway, that's right. All right. So we've got, we've got uh, things that make pe- people so, that make people happy. Yeah. So things that need a human touch. Things that need a human touch. Um, The next part is Is. what we've heard as is it's a it's a bit of a uh, uh, you know kind of a hot phrase, but um, jobs in the idea economy. What's that? So, so um, jobs that are basically people whose job it is to have and implement ideas. Okay. All right, wait a minute. I Entrepreneurs would be the best example. What about could... what about marketing people and sales people? I kind of marketing and sales I fall into the human touch category. Yeah. There's okay. there's no reason why you can't have a computer algorithm automatically send friendly emails, which it does. But which, people like yeah. to 
to buy Call stuff from other people. Call and be wooed, and yes, absolutely. And okay. that, so that's so marketing, right? Twitter, right? It's, it's a little bit of culture. It's a little bit of human touch. Okay, all right. But you know, like, because if you like, if you actually need, like, here are our products. Here are their prices. Please right. purchase, right? right? Like, you you can automate all of that, but you know, you know about humans like to communicate with yeah. other humans. Um, so, so yes, the idea economy. The idea economy is the people, first of all, who co- who are entrepreneurs who are coming up with new efficient ways to do stuff. People okay. who um, design buildings, like architects. Um, there again, I think engineering will take. S- I think with the hard sciences, especially engineering and computer programming, I think basically this will accelerate the need. So even on the bottom end, as automation eats up the bottom end of the computer programming jobs, yeah, the more automation you have, the more you need the top end, right? So like, so yeah, so, but it's not a routine coder. Well, it's different. It's not, no, but yeah. it's different. It's different because it's really you're really creating. You know, because you have to create the programs that do this basic level stuff. You have to, there's a lot of user, like, again, UX field is, is going to explode as you have more and more interfaces, more and more um, things that are done by this code. That's, you know, so so basically, you have to have to, the people who make the machines, and I know it sounds like it's going to be small a small subset, but as more and more and more stuff is done by all these different companies with all this different software, that's a lot of products. So I think that's going to be pretty big. Okay. Personally. Um, okay. Also research. Uh, there's always going to be more to do in the hard sciences. Um, that's always that's always good. Okay. Uh, yeah. So those are, I mean, those are the big ones. Um, and over the last, I don't know, 60 years, we've gone from a manufacturing economy to a service economy. We've done that even before deep learning, you know? It's 70% of our economy is service now. Restaurants and, you know, banks and all that kind of stuff. Hmm. So that's that's basically already happened, you know, because we don't, again, we don't need people to shovel coal and we don't need all these people at the manufacturing plants. All right. So, so, so what the, would... Well, before you ask your question, because yeah. it's going to be a good question, I just want to have tie it up with one last point and this is what? the philosophical argument go ahead forever and ever 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 we have been destroying industries yes and you know what there are just as many people unemployed as there ever have been there seems to be the same amount of work that needs to be done and the economic argument is well if you make something an industry more efficient and you and then you don't have to pay people those salaries. Well, then that service gets cheaper. There's more money. That money has to go somewhere. It goes into a different industry. That industry has to hire more people, right? So, like, as long as there's money in the economy, you're going to spend it on something. And eventually, that's going to spend, you got to spend, the person who's making all that money spends it on something. And eventually, there's going to be a need. And it'll, you know, someone will have to be hired to fill that need. That's the, that's the argument. All right, all right. I'm gonna say that one of the new jobs that needs to get created is we have to be, get better at uh, figuring out and helping people transition because we're going to get these waves of people that are going to get displaced. And and to just assume that they can figure out what to do, that they can figure out how to retool or retrain, that they you know they don't live in the right place, you know, to we right now I don't think we do a very good job of uh, of making that transition. And we end up oh, no. with really upset people who can't find good work and and employers who can't find people. Yeah. And you know we're not and, and so that's a that's one of the new type of jobs would be that human touch to bring together the innovators and the entrepreneurs 
with the people who uh, you know need need to learn new stuff. And I also think we've got to do better at our, our colleges, at our high schools, um, letting people know uh, what jobs are coming up and and what to do to get ready for them, because I still see. You know, uh, I mean, I teach at a university, and they're cranking out the same uh, programmers and coders. And uh, I, you know, I, that's not true. I shouldn't say that. There's been a recognition of and, and a switch to recently in the in the curriculum in the department where I teach. But I, I it's that doesn't happen easy enough and fast enough. It's not keeping pace with the change. Well. That's, so here's the thing, right? I was talking about capitalism. That's why I, yeah. sta- I started with capitalism. And I started with free trade. Yeah. And it's a it's it's a system for creating the most efficient outcome. Yeah. That's it. That's all it does. That's all it's ever meant to do. And that doesn't the the idea that you're an American and ergo you're privileged to have a high paying good job. Okay. Free trade. That, that, you know, economics doesn't care. It, it it doesn't care about people. It has. It's the called the dismal science for for the for yeah, a reason. Yeah, we could. I, I don't know that I want to go into all this right now. But we could. I could argue with you about the fact that if 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 all capitalism cares about is efficiency, you know, then why do you have these um, these situations where? Uh, you know, you don't have enough, you know, we need more X, we need more uh, Y. Well, we that's don't because have the market people. isn't operating correctly. And look, you'll get there eventually, but sometimes it takes a lot of time. And you have to think, again, we're in a global economy, at least we are this week. And you, so, so you have to think on a global level. Um, that's, that's the, you know, everyone's in the same big boat and there are going to be people who are economic losers not that they're like they're going to have a loss because of the changes that's that's the reality and it takes time for new economies to spring up well i want you to uh we're, we'll we'll close with the uh, with the re- with my request to you to fix that, okay? Yes, I would love if I was <laughs> supreme because leader. Because I just think I just think that we could do a better job of. Uh, I mean, I I don't even expect us to predict. I, things change, and we don't know how they're going to change. And I don't know that I'm I'm saying you know we should be able to predict fifty years ahead what kind of jobs. Be, no, I'm not saying that, but we should be able to look one year ahead two years ahead maybe and then uh and then be able to do something so that where there are shortages of workers we can you know take the people who need the work and figure out how to get them into these places where there's a shortage because well that is a very american-centric argument to me. no i think it's a deep learning algorithmic argument that's all i'm saying <laughs> i and mean i would like I, us to apply our human touch and our deep learning <laughs> uh abilities to solve what isn't it isn't this what we've been talking about is look you know solving name, problems innovation and this is a problem and well, i think we should figure this, out how to solve is, it but here's the thing what? It doesn't take deep learning to give you the answer. Name an industry that's having this problem. I, 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 I don't know. Okay, I'll pick one for you. Programming, okay? Yeah. There's a shortage of programmers in the United States. There are plenty of programmers around the world. They're yeah. not allowed to come work in the United States, and if they are, it's a very difficult and expensive process to do so. That doesn't mean that there's necessarily a problem. It's just, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you could have, like deep learning could tell you, oh, why don't you just match all these programmers in Malaysia with these companies who need good quality programming? 
or same with nurses or same with pick you know all these other industries of which other countries are doing an excellent job training really good quality workers and that's just and that's not a problem that ai can fix because that's a cultural um like political all right. all right well i don't definitely don't want to get into cultural political God, so you no, know what the worst let's stop there so do you think that that do you think that we've been optimistic or pessimistic here well, I'm optimistic. Bill Nye, the science guy, has the same. He gets asked this question a lot. He talks about automation um, pretty regularly. And he says the same. Th he, he basically has the philosophical argument that I had. Industries have come and gone. And there's, you know, we've always found something else to do. P innovative. We, what, what's important is having a culture of innovation and of entrepreneurship and, and, and of, 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 of uh, you know, inspiration. All right. And will you be the optimist? And yeah, and as long as you have that, anytime people need to find a job or need to create something or like don't have anything to do, they'll figure out something new. That's right, what makes humans so great. Then I'm going to be the pessimist. <laughs> oh no, don't do that. Yeah, which I'm not usually. I'm going to be the pessimist, and I'm going to say that we need, we can't just, you know, sit around and wait for the system to to work it all out as it always does. That we need to intervene and uh, come up with some innovative solutions to help this along because I don't want to, I don't like seeing um, the distress and upheaval this will cause while we wait for the system to right itself. I want to fiddle with the controls. That's, and so you need government. Okay, we're not going there, and I'm not running for office. I'm not even <laughs> going to run for village board. Okay, so uh, all right, Guthrie, the optimist. I'm glad you're an optimist. I'm glad somebody's an optimist about this one. So everyone out there, um, you know, figure out wh uh, what you're – if you're under uh, 65, maybe, uh, figure out what your, what your next uh, – training and toolkits going to be. And, it's hard uh, to it's hard to know how fast this is all going to come. It's going to All right, pessimist here, raise my hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't talk really about time Really fast. Cuz if really okay, fast. so you're you're 35 really right fast. now and you do something that maybe could become automated in the future. But, you know, your office is still running Windows XP. No. Like, I it doesn't matter. It's fast. I don't care that your window your office is running Windows XP. Your office could be gone tomorrow, XP or not. So fast. It needs to. It, it yeah. I think this is all going to happen fast. So this I, isn't a human life scale. This is like a decade life scale, in your opinion. Oh, less. Five years. Yes, absolutely. I think if you're not thinking about, I think if you have anyone in the workplace absolutely has to think in five years or less whatever job they are doing now it's possible that they're doing one of these high touch jobs and you know human touch and human happiness jobs and they're going to be okay but i think for many many people i would be so bold as to say most people i think within five years the industry you are in might go automated in a big way and it and I, I and so i think everybody needs to stop and say okay should this go should my career become automated in a big way what am i going to do next and start thinking about it and preparing for it now that's my advice and recommendation and five years from now you, you sure can you check in I'm sure. And was, five years from now, you, you can check in and let and we'll see whether I was right or not. That's my prediction. Five years, I think, is a long time. I think for a lot of people, it's much less than five. And with that, with that very optimistic note, to just think of it as a positive career move, um, we will end our episode today. If you uh, have any questions or comments Please let us know. And Guthrie, where would they email us? Info at theteamw.com. And uh, 
if you like our podcast, please share it. Please like it. Please talk about it. That that helps us get more people listening, which because we crave human touch and applause, we really like to do that. And uh, I think that's it. Anything else, Guthrie? Nope. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will talk to you later. Goodbye. Bye.